Welcome to Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. Life in Accounting is the podcast for everyday heroes like you working in the accounting profession. Are you ready to hear from accounting influencers, thought leaders, visionaries, and other professionals leading change in the accounting world? Then stay tuned for Mark Goldman, a CPA, the owner of Where Accountants Go, and your host. Welcome to Life in Accounting. What I've always found is the more I try to give to the profession, the more it ends up giving to me. All the leadership training, the real-time leadership experience I've gotten, it would have taken me a lot of money and a lot of effort, and you know, it's really helped me with my career. That clip was just one of the insights that our guest Bill Schneider from AT&T shares on this episode of Life in the County the Where Accountants Go podcast. Hello, I'm Mark Goldman, the host for Life in Accounting. Bill is the Director of Accounting Policy with AT&T in Dallas. Bill's a very open individual and has had a long and successful career with AT&T. As you're going to hear in the interview, though, even though he's been at the same company for close to 25 years, he's held many different positions. Some of the advice he shares is how to remain with the same organization, but still be able to get a high level of variety within your career. Bill's also very active in associations, and I think you're going to find that discussion enlightening as well. He's certainly a busy individual, and so I really appreciate him sharing this much time with us. So as they say, without further ado, here we go. Good morning, Bill. Thank you for taking the time out to record this for our listeners. I, I really appreciate having you on as a guest. Well, I'm glad to join you. At, uh, I'm looking forward to this. Well, thank you. Wonderful. Well, I approached you about being a guest for several reasons, actually. I've recently been interviewing other professionals that have been highly involved in TSCPA specifically, and you certainly fall into that category. However, I seem to have been on a string of interviews of people in public accounting, which is good, but I feel like it's important to give a balanced view of the opportunities in our profession. So I figured your perspective would be particularly valuable given all your success at at and I know there's a lot to talk about with your background, but if we could, why don't we start with how you became an accountant in the first place and how you landed at at and Well, uh, how I became an accountant in the first place goes all the way back to my high school days. I had the uh, privilege of eating a Thanksgiving dinner because we were family friends with an accounting professor at the University of Georgia. And I was near the end of my high school days, and he asked, well, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do when you go to college, when you move on? He knew I was going to college. And I said, I, you know, I don't know. I, you know, maybe become a doctor or something. You know, expecting the typical, oh, okay, that's fine. You know, it just was polite conversation. But he looked at me and said, well, why do you want to become a doctor? And I said, thinking about it for a second and obviously being like a 17-year-old and putting together things the way a 17-year-old does, I said, well, I want to you know, help people and I want to make money. And he looked at me and said, well, how about thinking about doing that in four years rather than eight or 10? 
I said, okay, you know, what do you, yeah, I'll, I'll bite. And he said, well, what, what about becoming a CPA? And I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, you get to help a lot of people and you can make very good money. And I said, okay, let's, you know, talk about it. So that really got me hooked. And I decided to major in accounting in college and became a graduate and took the typical route. I went to work for one of the, uh, at that time, it was big eight, very quickly going down to big six and on its way to big four and started out, you know, public accounting. That's where I was going to go. But little ways into my career, I had two young children and was doing a good deal of traveling and said, you know, I'm not sure that this public accounting life is for me, so let me see what's out there. And I you know, was particularly contacted by a recruiter after a long, arduous trip back from Montgomery, Alabama to Atlanta, Georgia, and said, sure, I'll, you know, I'll buy it. I'll, I'll look at this position within uh, what was at that point Bell South. It looked very interesting, and you know, I wasn't sold that that's where I was going to spend my career. I actually had the idea back then that, well, I've done public accounting for a little while. I'll I'll go do this industry for a little while, and if and if I don't like that, I may go back and get my PhD and teach. And as I like to say, here I am, 25 years later, I'm still in industry, so I think it worked out pretty well for me. Obviously, wow, that covers a lot. I, I'm curious, was the professor in the beginning? Was, was the professor an accounting professor? Yes, he was. He was. Uh, his name was James Don Edwards. He was a fairly legendary accounting professor. He did a lot of stuff within the profession. He actually was editor of the uh, the hundredth anniversary of the Journal of Accountancy magazine when the AICPA celebrated its hundredth anniversary for CPAs. You know, very influential and just happened to be a family friend. And he's the one that got me hooked into accounting. Interesting. I, it's hard to argue with why not do it in four years instead of eight. I mean, that's, <laughs> he had a good hook. He had a very good hook, although I will say I ended up spending and getting my master's degree, so it was one extra year in there. <laughs> <laughs> you find that out after you get into it. Exactly. So it, it sounds like then, uh, you mentioned public accounting, it sounds like you went into audit. Is that correct? Yes, yes. Actually, when I was in college, during that time, I was making the decision of, do I want to go tax or do I want to go audit? And you know, a lot of people who were sticking around for the master's because it was not required at that time to become a CPA were only doing it if they were going in tax. I felt like the master's would give me a, a big leg up but I wasn't sure I wanted to do tax. And then the 1986 Tax Act came out and I saw my future father-in-law, who was a CPA, was dating his daughter at that time, saw that everything he knew about the tax code got changed overnight at the whim of Congress. And he had to basically start over with his base of knowledge and, and rebegin. And I decided at that point, I did not want my skill set and my knowledge base to be subject to the whim of Congress. And so I decided to go audit. Little did I know my knowledge base would be subject to the whim of FASB. Once again, you kind of, you, you, you buy something and you don't really necessarily know what you bought. But I'll even say this, I'd, I'd rather it be at the whim of FASB than the whim of Congress. And so that's why I ended up going audit. And I've spent most of my career dealing with accounting processes or uh, financial accounting okay. since then. Okay. okay. So was Bell South a client? 
No, they were not a client of my firm. Actually, I had worked in manufacturing, retail, real estate. And when the recruiter came to me and was you know, talking about opportunities, a lot of times people, when they went from public accounting to industry, the first step is internal audit. And I particularly told them I was not interested in internal audit position. I was already in audit. I was in an international firm. Why would I, you know, if I was going to stay in the audit area, why would I want to jump to, you know, an industry internal audit position? I'd just stay where I was. I wanted something truly different. And they came up with a position in Bell South that was in the corporate books group. And so I started down the path of being responsible for closing the books of two or three entities within the Bell South family of companies. And so it was a monthly closed process and very much process oriented and then eventually became corporate books manager leading a group of what became uh, 12 people in closing most of the uh, corporate entities for Bell South. Okay. Interesting. Well, as you know, or as you can imagine, not everybody stays at the same organization for close to 25 years, like you have so far. <laughs> and it looks like maybe the organization changed over the years. So I guess, what it, what do you feel has led to your success at AT&T or has led to your, your roles there being so satisfying? I mean, what, what's kept you there? Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, you know, people go 25 years. How can you do the same thing for 25 years? And my immediate response is I have not done the same thing for 25 years. I've added it up. I've done essentially nine or 10, depending how you define role changes, jobs over that 25 years. So every two to three years, I've been doing different things, even since I've moved here to Texas. And I came here, I was responsible for SOX compliance. A couple years after that, I took on accounting policy. Now, while I've been accounting policy since then, within that, I've done executive compensation, I've done benefits as well, and I've taken on responsibility for the technical implementation of the new revenue standard and now the new leasing standard. So, and some of the other duties were shifted off. I've, you know, policy has been consistent throughout there, but my job has changed. And that's part of what has really kept me interested is working for an employer, you're seeing different things. It is not the same thing month after month, and it's not the same job. So you can stay with a company and move around and do different jobs. And, you know, I have peers here that have gone over and done budgeting and and analytics and planning and other CPAs can go do M&A work. It's just there's a lot of skills that translate throughout, you know, treasury, tax, et cetera. And so you don't have to do the same job even if you stay within the same company. Now, some people want to move on and move from company to company, and that's the way they progress. But, you know, I've progressed by moving job to job within the company, and it brought me a lot of a benefit. You know, I, my, you mentioned, you know, 25 years, and I'm still going strong and have no intention of going anywhere. But I do point out to my boss occasionally when, uh, when he's giving me a hard time that I will achieve what's considered retirement eligibility in February, and that will allow me the opportunity to look even, you know, further and not lose certain benefits. And, and he, he doesn't like it when I say that. And of course, you know, I have a little fun with him about it because I'm perfectly content. I enjoy what I'm doing. And it's like, you know, in this case, it's a great company to work for. I mean, we're a, a hundred year old company, 
that's still on the cutting edge of business. I mean, you think about what everybody does and the world revolves around products and services we offer. And that's, that's a great place to be. And it's also a great place to be when you realize that we're a company that it connects people together. It's, you know, back from the days when you'd call mom on Mother's Day to, you know, now connecting with the phone. I mean, I, I talk about how I have children in four different states, and yet we have family texts and, and we'll have conversations any time of the day and as a family. And, you know, that's possible because of my company. And so being able to, you know, bring people together, that it's a place you enjoy working as a result of that because you really feel like you're benefiting the world. Wow. You make some good points. I, I'm curious. I, obviously, AT&T does a good job of providing opportunity internally. The number of roles you've had there, though, is that is that built into the culture of AT&T where they, they help you make those transitions? Or is there something that you can point to that you've done in your career that helped you transition into the different roles? Well, I think it's both. One, AT&T lets you take command of your career. And I think most good businesses do that. One of my philosophies with my staff is, look, I want you to develop and move on and I want you to be successful within the company. I'm more interested in you staying in the company and building your skills than staying with me. Yes, it's harder on me to have to bring someone new in or transit, you know, and, and train them up as well. But I think it's better for your career. And as I, you know, point out all the time, people always can move. And as a, as a manager, your choice is, do I try to hold them out and they end up leaving the company or do I'd rather move within the company and at least the company keeps those skills. And by the way, you can then extend your network within the company as well. So AT&T definitely allowed me to do that. And you know, I was able to take some jobs that were very much interesting to me. After, you know, in corporate books, I was very much interested in getting back into external reporting, and, and I sought that one out. My next opportunity is one I had not sought out. They came to me and said, we really need someone to focus in this regulatory accounting area, and we think you'd be really good. So I said, okay, I'll do that. And I, I was doing that and doing very well, and the opportunity to create the Shared Service Center that we built at Bell South came along. And I got to be part of that project team from inception of doing all the groundwork in terms of, is that really going to be beneficial to us, to building the shared service center, to launching it and becoming the controller over that operation. You know, basically I was managing that as a internal business. And so it was, it was very interesting to do that. And then, you know, I've sought other opportunities. I always wanted to be involved in part of a, a growth business. And back in the uh, early 2000s, all of the local Bell companies could start getting in long distance. Bell South did that as well. And I sought out and became controller of our long distance affiliate. And it was, it was really neat to be part of a company within a company that was really growing and seeing that. And we actually saw it grow all the way out. And then you saw the entire business thing where we grew it from to a cap. And then it started going down. It was being the cash cow. And we were just getting the money out instead of focusing on growth anymore. So it was a very short period of time, but it kind of showed me the whole business cycle within one entity at AT&T and, and then moving on and, and doing socks and other things. It's just been very interesting. There's always been something that's interested me and they've matched that with where I can go with my career. For someone that maybe two or three years into their career, at a very large organization like AT&T and they like their company, 
but they like to follow a similar pattern to you where they're, you know, moving into different roles, you know, over the years with the same organization. Do you have any advice or, or any thoughts for them on how to facilitate that or, or things they can do to, to help facilitate that? Well, I, I think there's two key pieces. One is you've got to let your boss know that's what you want to do. Whoever your manager is, you've got to let them know that's what you want to do. Otherwise, they can't help you do that. And and if they're one that won't help you do that, then that's not the right boss for you. And maybe that's not even the right company for you. I, I hate to say that to companies out there, but if you're not willing to help people move and progress in their career, they're going to leave you. And so as, as, as I've always felt like companies need to help people develop their careers. And as managers, that's part of our responsibility. The, the second part is to actually spend some time and think about what you want to do next. So often people think career planning is something that someone else should do for them. And, you know, I mentioned a couple times that has happened to me where they've come to me with ideas and said, we really think this would be a good fit and we would really like you to do this. It would help the company. But there are other times where I chose and instigated the change and said, I want to go do this. I want to move and do that. And so if you're instigating that, then one, they'll see that you have that desire to move up and move on and do something different. And so when they are start thinking about things, when new things come up and you may not be aware of them, your name will also be in their mind as someone that's a person that's willing to move and take on new challenges. Wonderful. That's, that's really good advice. Thank you. I'm going to make sure we put that in the show notes. Well, let, let's move on to TSCPA. Well, I'd say TSCPA. Actually, you've been involved in a few states. CPA societies, as well as AICPA, I believe, correct? That is correct. As mentioned earlier, I started with Bell South, and they were headquartered in Georgia, and that's where I was. And what's interesting is I actually didn't get involved in the professional societies until I left public accounting. It wasn't something that you know I felt like was really a need, because in public accounting, I mean, I mean, hey, I was in the profession. But when I left and went to Bell South, I said, you know, I'm going to lose my connection to the profession unless I reach out and try to be part of it. So I started out the way most people do. I reached out and joined my local chapter. And I can remember to this day how I started getting involved. The president of the chapter at a chapter meeting said, hey, if there's anything we can do better, let me know. And believe it or not, I actually thought he was serious. And so I went and told him, you know, a lot of your presentations, they were doing an hour CPE, a lot of meetings. They were focused on the public accounting side. And they said, I'm from industry. And I think there's things we could do that would meet needs of members of both sides. And he said, great idea. You're on the speaker uh, engagement committee and you can go find people to do that. (laughs) I did that. Uh, You know, it's kind of one of those things, be careful what you ask for. But I did that and that got me involved. And then eventually I got involved in the chapter leadership. When you do the chapter leadership, then you get involved in the state leadership. And, you know, I've served on some committees, did some involvement there. And the story is kind of funny because at one of the state council meetings, they said, hey, we're having problems getting people to attend our annual meeting. What do you think is driving that? What's going on? So once again, I actually thought they wanted our feedback. So I quote, unquote, raised my hand. I talked to the the chairman and said, well, I think part of the issue is that you're doing these meetings in a way that a lot of people with younger families can't attend. I had young children and it was very difficult for me to attend those meetings. And he said, okay, great. You're on a task force to try and figure out how we can meet both the desire to do some travel for certain members, but also 
be able to allow younger members to do it. So we came up with a pattern of meetings, you know, two close, one far away that would allow members to, you know, attend who didn't have necessarily the financial wherewithal, had young kids that made it more difficult to attend. And that got me noticed. And eventually I served on the Georgia board, which was the equivalent of the TSCPA executive committee and became president of Georgia Society CPAs. When I moved here to Texas, the first thing I did was contact the TSCPA and the Dallas CPA Society and say, hey, I'm here. I want to, you know, what do you need me to do? Be glad to help. And everyone took me up on that. And now I'm actively involved with the uh, Dallas CPA Society. I'm chairman of the board for them this year. And I've been involved in the TSCPA serving as chair of the BNI committee uh, on the professional standards committee and going to serve on the executive board under Jim Oliver in the coming year. Beautiful. Beautiful. I, I guess you've learned what happens when you give your opinion now. Yeah, you, you would think I would have learned my lesson because, you know, it, that's happened as well with my involvement at the, at the national level. The AICPA has sometimes asked, you know, being a, a leader in a state, they've asked for things and I've given my opinion. And it seems like every time I give my opinion, I get stuck on something. So I would say, one, it's a warning. You know, if you don't want to do something about it, don't say anything. On the other hand, it really is true in our professional associations. They do care about what our members say. And if you have an idea to make something better, they want you to help implement it. And so they will ask you to get involved and do it. I found that very rewarding in my career and you know, very rewarding in my professional associations and involvement. Okay. But, you know, that leads into the next question I was going to ask, and you may have just add, answered it, but I was curious what you most enjoy about your involvement with the, the state societies. Number one, it's networking with other professionals. It's really helpful to me to know that I'm not alone. You know, we have a lot of requirements on us, a lot of obligations. You know, you know, we've been given a public trust. And even for those in the industry, we still have that public trust we have to serve. And it's helpful to have others to know that they're there to help you and, and deal with it. But the other thing that I really enjoy is at this point is, is giving back a little bit because the profession has been so rewarding to me in my career, in my life. I want to make sure it's rewarding to other people that join and you know, were, were where I was 20, 25, 30 years ago. And I want to be there for them and be as rewarding and successful to them. And I think it's something I need to give back. But what I've always found is the more I try to give to the profession, the more it ends up giving to me. All the leadership training, the real-time leadership experience I've gotten, it would have taken me a lot of money and a lot of effort. And, you know, it's really helped me with my career. People are amazed at how I deal with other folks. And a lot of that has come from my work within the profession. It's been a great testing ground, shall we say, and a great learning ground. And I realize it's, you know, it's, it seems like it's given me way more than I ever gave it in the first place, even though that wasn't what I was trying to do to get something out of it. Hmm, there's definitely a lesson in there. <laughs> definitely. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you could go back and do anything differently in your career or with perhaps your association involvement, you know, what would that be? You know, it's it, it's one of those things you have to be careful what you wish for because I, I really like where I am and and it's all the good and the bad that's gotten me to where I am. You know, I guess if there's one thing that I might do is maybe take a little more command of my career early on. I you know I've talked about how 
reaching out and expressing your desires are really important, but I, I may have not said that as much as I should have early on in my career. And so that might be the one thing I've done, but to be quite honest, I'm very happy with where I've progressed with my career, where I've progressed within the profession. And so there's probably very little that I'd want to change because I'd be scared of where it might lead to that isn't where I am, which is very happy today. Okay. Okay. Definitely. You know, and I should have asked this or clarified this at the beginning. I, I know we can look this up on LinkedIn and I'll, I'll link to your profile in the show notes, but what exactly is your role now at at and I am Director of Accounting Policy, which means I deal with all technical accounting matters for AT&T. The best way I would put it for those in the public accounting side is I kind of serve as the national office for AT&T. So everybody comes to us with their transaction or deal or contract or arrangement when it's different and unusual and say, how do I account for this? We're dealing right now with issues of easements and building things for customers and what's capital and you know what's something I'm selling to a customer. I deal with revenue questions all the time. In addition to those ongoing policy things, I have responsibility for other highly technical areas such as impairment testing and things like that. And then I am responsible, as I mentioned on beginning, for the technical side of implementing the new revenue standard, the technical side of implementing the new leasing standard. Those are significant standards that are going to change the face of accounting, not just for AT&T, but for everyone out there. And being involved on the ground floor and building that up is just, it's really been exciting to me because I feel like I have kind of an inside knowledge on, on something that will be different for a lot of people for a number of years. Perfect. I figured we should get that on the record. <laughs> well, I end every podcast with the same four questions. The podcast is called Life in Accounting, and, and the questions, they touch on career, but, but really they're, they're about overall life as well. So number one, what has been your proudest moment? You know, it's, it's really hard to pick one. Within the profession, it was probably getting elected to president of the Georgia Society of CPAs. That really showed that people thought I could do something for the profession. Within my career, it was getting promoted to director within AT&T. That is a really hard promotion when you look at the numbers of people that are below that level to the number that get to that level. And that kind of really meant to me that AT&T respected me and, and showed that they thought I could do a lot of things. But on a, on a personal level, you know, I've been married for 29 years and that's been a wonderful part of my life. And so, you know, when I got married, it, that really has set my life on a path. And being there for the birth of my four kids and I was there for every one of them. It's, you know, that is, that is what makes life worth it and, and makes dealing with the profession and, and doing my career, you know, it's, it's all about them. And that's why I do what I do. So it, it's really hard to pick out one. I think that's part of what makes life so grand is there's so many parts that you can really enjoy. Yes. Yes. I've been married 24 myself. And so I can completely relate. <laughs> well, number two, tell us about a mistake you've made, what you learned from it, of course, and, and frankly, the more colossal, the better. Well, I early in my career within the industry side, I promoted someone to a position within my group to supervise two or three people within the group. I was trying to benefit the group by having them have some more personal contact. Turns out the person I promoted was 
to put it lightly, a total creep. Found out he had done some very bad things to the staff, and I was oblivious to it. And so I learned two very important lessons. One is make sure that the staff, and not just the staff right below you, not just your direct reports, but other people can feel like they can come to you and talk to you about anything. They were not coming to me and talking to me until it got so bad that you know, they had to do something about it. And, and I really wish we had dealt with it a lot earlier. And the second thing was, keep your eyes open. There were, you know, when I look back, there are a lot of hints that, that this might have been there. And I just was probably too naive and too forgiving and didn't realize it. And I really do try and pick up on those cues a lot more now. And hopefully I'll never make that kind of mistake again. Well, yes, you, you learned some valuable lessons on that one. It makes a lot of sense. Yes. Well, Number three, who's the biggest mentor or, or biggest influencer been thus far in your career? Well, you know, it, it's interesting. Once I became a career, I really haven't had one mentor. Actually, I've had two or three, and, and most of them ended up being people I worked for. And then after I left and moved to a different position, I kept a relationship with them. There's one of the people that actually helped bring me into Bell South who's still working for AT&T today, and he and I still talk on, you know, probably... And maybe every other month now because we're in different cities, but we still talk and still enjoy each other and, and still have conversations about our careers. There was, a, there was another person that I worked for, and he was the CFO of the organization that I was controller for, and he and I had a great relationship and, and still to this day correspond. But honestly, I, I look back and it goes back to that college professor. If he had not asked the question, what do you want to do? I might have never become a CPA in the first place. So don't be afraid to ask somebody, what do you want to do? And especially a, a high schooler or something like that, and, and point out they may not even realize that the CPA profession is a, is a potential for them. You could be doing them a great favor for the rest of their lives. Wonderful. And actually, a lot of the presentations I've seen recently at TSCPA about you know, the future of the membership and the future of the profession go back to the importance of having someone influence you early in life, even before college, to look at the accounting profession, which which makes all the sense in the world. But it, it's interesting how many of these interviews are coming out to prove that as well. I'm hearing the same thing from other professionals. So that was a good gift. The last <laughs> question, is. what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is become a CPA. <laughs> I mean, that really is the best single piece of advice I've ever received. The second piece of advice to, that I've ever heard, the best I've heard is that your job as a manager is to develop your staff. That is, when you are managing people, that's your number one priority. It's not a report. It's not some production. You know, All those things are things you're responsible for. But the thing that you've got to focus on is develop your staff. If you do that, they will take care of you. They will take care of getting all that other stuff done. So if you focus on that number one thing, all the other things you're responsible for will get handled. And that really, I, I truly believe that. And where I've been most successful in my career is when I keep focusing on that. And when I've kind of gotten off track is when I lose that focus. And I need to remind myself, focus on the staff, develop them, work with them. That will take care of all the other problems that you're dealing with in work. That makes a lot of sense. 
Definitely, definitely. Well, there actually is one final question I ask everybody. If someone wants to get in touch with you to find out more about TSCPA or involvement in professional organizations in general, or, or even just you know your thoughts on, on moving up in a, a large organization, what's the best way to reach you? There's so many ways. One, you'll find me on LinkedIn. I do look at that, respond to that, talk to people through LinkedIn. I'm out there. I will accept most people who want to join and, and, and be a link to me on LinkedIn. And then the other way is through my email. I do look at my and manage my email. Uh, I may not respond immediately. Sometimes there's fires going on and that takes priority. But you know my email, which is BS for Bill Schneider, 9250 at att.com is a great way for someone to reach out to me and talk to me if they, if they would like to. Wonderful. Well, thank you. That's very, that's very kind for you. Include your email as well. That makes it makes it easy. Thank you very much. You're well, Bill, this has been a good interview. I knew we were going to talk about obviously the TSCPA and the CPA profession, but you've given some good nuggets of wisdom about just management in general and and definitely career. So thank you very much. This will oh, be you're you're welcome. I'm glad to do it, and I'm just hoping that it will be useful to the people out there that listen to it. I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. Well, I hope to see you again at a function here soon. And until then, take care. Thank you. Bye. Well, that was my interview with Bill Snyder, a director in accounting with AT&T. As you heard, Bill had some good insight into what it takes to have a successful and upwardly moving career in industry. And even threw in some good management tips in there as well. I really appreciate how open he was, particularly with those last few questions there at the end. If this has been your first time listening to our show, please visit our homepage at www.whereaccountantsgo.com to subscribe or to listen in to our other shows highlighting careers of everyday heroes in the accounting profession. Or if you're looking to network with other professionals in Texas, please visit that same webpage at www.whereaccountantsgo.com as well for other information from many of the accounting associations all across the state of Texas. Once again, I'm Mark Goldman, your host for Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. As I always mention, stay tuned. There's more to come.